The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why do bad things happen to good people? And so, ooh, ooh, hey, hey, let's be excited about it, you know. We're coming to our season finale. It's our very last one. But I do want to encourage you, if you missed any of the teachings, we've had about four, this is the fourth the fourth installment of a four-part series. If you do have, did miss the... Um, the one parts one, two, and three, I highly encourage you to go to our website. Um, we've also got a YouTube channel, it's Faith Hill, and also we have some podcasts. I mean, we've talked about a lot. We talked about understanding the story of Job. Remember, who remembers that, right? We talked about Paul's thorn in the flesh, and I, and I believe that we have, we have managed to establish a, a good foundation that while bad things are happening to good people, I mean, while truly bad things are happening in this world, we've managed to establish that it's not God who scores God is not the author of our problems. God is not the author of our troubles. Church, we have a very real enemy out there. And his name is the devil. And he is out there to steal, to kill, and destroy us. And if we don't actively fight against his work, if we passively accept his work as being the work of God, guess what? He will steal. He will kill And he will destroy us. And so we have learned over this past series that we need to actively resist him. We need to fight against his problems. And when we do, James 4 verse 7 says, he will flee from us. Amen. He will flee from us. Amen. And so we want to continue looking at some reasons why bad things are happening to good people. And before we begin, I want us to just go to Romans 8 verse 28. And, and I want us to look in a, another controversial uh, verse in the Bible that I believe has been misquoted. It's been abused. It's been misused. I was telling Pastor Tafara yesterday that people, some people don't, haven't even opened up the Bible but yet when things are really bad things are happening in their lives, some really crazy things are happening in their lives, they'll be the first one to say, the Bible says, no, they, do. they haven't even opened up their Bible, but somehow they know that the Bible says, right? They'll be the first ones to quote, the Bible says, all things work together for good. And so we're going to look at Romans 8 verse 28, and we're going to look at this verse very closely. We're going to read this verse in its context and look carefully at the words In the context that's been spoken, amen. So Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So for starters, let's look at what this verse is not saying. This verse is not saying that all things are good. Because not all things are good. I mean, sickness isn't good, right? Poverty isn't good. It's not good to be broke, busted, and disgusted, barely getting by. The second thing this verse is not saying, not everything is from God. Not everything is from God, church. We read last week in John 10.10 
that it says the thief, the devil, he comes to steal, he comes to steal, uh, uh, kill, and he comes to destroy. But God, God comes to bring you life. He comes to give you peace. And so if there is stealing, if there is killing, if there is destroying in your life, it is not God. And so this verse is not saying that all things are good. And it's most certainly not saying all things are God, are from God. Amen. What this verse is simply saying is that God can take whatever happens in your life. God can take whatever bad thing has happened in your life. Whatever bad situation you found yourself in. And he can work it together for good. And just because he brings good out of something, it doesn't mean that he does bad things. Okay. But he can work all things together for your good. But, and a big but. Someone say but. But. Not the other but. Beauty. But, it's subject to conditions. This verse is subject to qualifications. And I'm about to say something that's going to blow some of your mind. This promise, this promise doesn't apply to everyone. So the first thing I want us to look at is I want us to look at that word and. So this scripture starts with the word and. And I think we're taught in primary school probably. Maybe some of us in high school, I can't remember. But we're taught that a sentence can never start with and. And is a conjunction. And what a conjunction is, it's simply a word that joins or connects two two words or two sentences. I mean, Pastor Farah always has this joke. He says, you know, you can't go to Nando's and look at the, the person behind the till and say, hey, I want ant chips. You're going to be like, what are you talking about? Okay? You go to Nando's and you say, I want a quarter chicken and chips. And maybe some of you are really hungry. You say, I want a full chicken and chips. Okay, so and can never, you can never start a sentence with an and, right? So in order for us to, 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 to really understand what qualifies us then for Romans 8 verse 28, we actually need to backtrack a little bit and we need to go a few verses before that to, to, to really make sense of this, of this verse. So I want us to go back to Romans 8 and we're going to read from verses 26 and 27 in the King James Version. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to to the will of God. And so we find that the preceding verse talks about us praying in the Holy Spirit. And we've learned in this church that when we are praying in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is helping us to pray the perfect will of God over our lives. Amen. And so when we are in intercession, seeking God in intercession, trusting the Holy Spirit to empower our prayers, to keep us in God's perfect will, and then we know that all things work together for good. Amen. And so that's the first thing that qualifies us for Romans 8 verse 28. Let's look at some things, some other things. And I'd like to submit to you, there are actually three things that qualify us um, to receive the promise in Romans 8 verse 28. 
The first one we said, if you're seeking God in intercession, if you're um, letting the Holy Spirit empower your prayers so that he's praying the perfect will of God, then yes, you qualify for Romans 8 verse 28. The second one, and let's look at Romans 8 verse 28 because it's actually embedded in, 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 in that verse. The second qualification, second, is them that love God. Can you see that? It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. So how do we know that we love God? Jesus shares a very interesting perspective on this matter about people in in Matthew 15, verse 8. So let's go there quickly. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of verses this morning. And you know, I, I want to encourage you to write these scriptures down, put them on the phone so that at the end of the service um, this week you can just be meditating on them. But Jesus shares a very interesting perspective on this matter. He says, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so what Jesus is saying is people are saying they love God. They're saying it with their lips. But their hearts, their hearts are far away from him. So it's easy to say you love God, church. But the question is, how do you prove it? How do you locate your heart? Matthew 6 verse 33 in the Amplified um, Version of the Bible, it says, But first and most importantly, seek Aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. That's Matthew 6.33 in the Amplified. And so you locate your heart by observing what it is that you're prioritizing. What it is, what are you seeking first and putting first in your life? And so, and so, The question you can ask yourself is, are you prioritizing God? Are you prioritizing God's kingdom in every area of your life? Are you prioritizing God in your finances? Pastor Tafara shared with us a scripture, and and, and we here at Faithful Church, we always teach that where your treasure is, that is where your heart will also be found. Are you prioritizing God in your marriage? Are you prioritizing God in your business, in your career, in your ministry, in your callings? Because if you are, then yes, you qualify for all things working together for good. Amen. Now, the third qualification we're going to look at, again, is found in Romans 8, verse 28. And it says, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And his purpose there is really God's purpose. So what is God's purpose? 1 John 3. Verse 8, you can read this in the King James Version. It says, he that committed, committed sin is of the devil. That's 1 John 3, verse 8. It says, he that committed, committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so that we see from the scripture, the reason why Jesus was manifested, the reason why Jesus came to this earth is so that he could destroy the works of the devil. And so if you are functioning according to the purpose of Jesus, guess what? You too should be out to destroy the works of the devil. You too should be out there destroying the bad works of the devil. And we learn what are his works, church? His works are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so if you are actively resisting the works of the devil and you're not passively sitting back and saying, whatever will be, will be. 
Okay, Sarah, Sarah. If you're actively resisting the devil, then yes, all things will work together for your good. Amen. And so to just summarize, if you love God, if you are prioritizing God, if you are seeking first His kingdom, if you are resisting the problems that the devil is bringing to you, and you are out to destroy the works of the devil, if you're seeking God in intercession, trusting the Holy Spirit to empower your prayer so that you, you can pray and be in the perfect will of God, then God, He can take whatever bad situation has happened in your life. He can take whatever bad thing has happened in your life and He can work it all together for your good. Amen and amen. I just thought I'd clarify that because there's been so much misunderstanding. There's been so much interpretation of that verse. And I just hope that's really clarified that in your minds. Amen. And so we're just going to be continuing um, and to try and really understand some of the reasons why bad things happen to good people. And, and really, uh, you know, I, I guess we want to ask ourselves, and we're probably asking ourselves right now, well, where did everything go wrong? You know, why are bad things happening to good people? I believe we've established in the series, in in, in the three parts of the series that we've had leading up to today, that death and destruction, death and destruction were never part of God's plan for mankind. We know Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it says, God's plans for us are good. God's plans for us are perfect. He does not have plans to harm us. And he most certainly does not have plans to bring disaster into our lives. And so we see not only did God make man to be good, he also made everything around man to be good. And then he gave man control over the earth so that everything could remain good. And so in order to see where did everything go wrong, we need to go way back. I said to the church service this morning, I'm going to wrap here. We need to go way back, back into time, all the way in the book of Genesis. And we can see where, where everything went wrong. Okay, so go with me quickly. And we're going to go to Genesis 1 verse 28. And we're going to look at God's first recorded words to mankind. God's first words that he spoke to man. Genesis 1 verse 28. It says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. I want us to just pay attention to two words um, in that verse. The first one is that word subdue. So God told man to subdue the earth and subdue only simply means to conquer. It means to master. It means to keep in check. It means if it's out of order, you must put it in order. It means to restrain. And not only did God say subdue the earth, he said have dominion. And dominion simply means to rule over. It means to have all things under your feet. It means to have complete authority. And so what we see in Genesis 1 verse 28, right at the beginning of creation, was that God gave man complete and unconditional authority over the whole earth. Psalm 115 verse 16, it says, The heavens and the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth had he given to the children of men. And the context of the scriptures in the past tense, it said, hath, has, right? 
not he will give the earth to the children of men at some point in time. The Lord has already given the earth to the children of men. Amen. Amen. And, and really here the references to what happened in the Garden of Eden when, men gave, when God gave um, man authority over the earth. This authority was then evidenced when God created the creatures and he started presenting each of these creatures one by one to Adam to see what Adam would name them. So go quickly with me to Genesis 2 verse 19 and we're going to read how this authority was then evidenced um, during this, uh, this, this whole scenario. Genesis 2 verse 19, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. And God brought them unto Adam to see what Adam would call them. And whatso Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And so I was saying, you know, God honestly, he, he could have easily named the creatures, right? I mean, he just created the stars. He just created the sun, the moon. I mean, he just created some really marvelous things. He really could have named the creatures. I mean, I don't think it was rocket science. But God wanted Adam to do it. And I believe the reason why he wanted Adam to do it is because he wanted Adam to start training in his God-given authority. He wanted Adam to start operating in this God-given authority. And so the Bible says, whatever name Adam gave that creature, that was the name that the creature was called. Amen. Amen. But, someone say but. We know that Adam and Eve believed the biggest lie in the universe. We know that Adam and Eve sinned and they yielded their lives to the devil. You see, what happened was Satan entered into the garden of Eden as a snake. And he spoke deceptive words to Adam and Eve, which contradicted what God had said to them. And so instead of Adam obeying or instead of Adam exercising his God-given authority over this creep, Adam disobeyed God's instructions and he committed high treason. Okay, you're going to get that creep bit later. Hey, okay, some of you, the lights are going on, okay? So instead of, instead of Adam exercising his God-given authority over this creep, the snake, Adam disobeyed God's instructions and committed high treason in the Garden of Eden. Adam turned over the keys of authority to Satan. Romans 6 verse 16 in the NLT translation, it says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And so when Adam disobeyed God, he became a slave to sin, which the Bible says leads to death. When Adam disobeyed God, he let evil gain dominion over the earth. And Satan, the biggest outlaw of all times, he was let loose. He was let loose to kill, to steal, and to destroy, causing truly bad things to happen in our lives. And church, he was let loose, not by God. God didn't let him loose. Man let him loose. Okay, I want you to see that it was not God's will for Satan to be let loose, to steal, kill, and destroy. It was, in effect, man who chose to disobey God's orders and God's instruction. Yeah. Amen. And so for those taking down notes, the, reason, the, the one reason why bad things happen to good people is we live in a fallen world yeah. that is still very much under the influence of the devil. Yeah. 
Apostle John in 1 John 5 verse 19 in the NLT translation. He says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. You see, the kingdom of darkness, while it's not God's will, it, it, it's very real. It exists out there and it's out to just destroy us. Amen. But I've got good news, okay? I've always got good news and, and, and the, you know, the Bible is good news. But I've got good news. Because the story doesn't end there. God had a plan. God had a plan. God became a man in the person of Jesus. He actually came down to earth as a man, Jesus. And he did this in order to redeem us from the clutches of the devil. And so God came down as a man. Well, Jesus came down, as a, came down to earth. And on that cross, when he died on that cross, the Bible says he became sin. He became sin, and when he became sin, he was able to go down into the very depths of hell. And the Bible says when he was down, down, down there in the depths of hell, he had a face-to-face confrontation with the devil. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says he won. He won that fight, and he took back the keys of authority that the devil had taken away from Adam. And guess what, church? When you become born again, when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, when you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, those keys of authority are given to you. Amen. Those keys of authority are yours. Luke 10, verse 19 in the Amplifies. It says, listen carefully. And this is Jesus talking to us. He's saying, I have given you authority that you now possess. As a born-again believer, you possess authority. And this authority allows you to tread on serpents and scorpions. And the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan. And nothing will in any way harm you. Amen. And so church, despite what the enemy tries to use against us, we can rest assured that we are not powerless. Amen. As a believer... You are fully equipped to resist him. I mean, church, we have the powerful name of Jesus. How many of you know that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. You can use the powerful name of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God's word. We have his armor. We have his new covenant. We have his promises. We have the keys of the kingdom. We have the confession of the word that allows us to speak to those mountains in our lives and those mountains will move and we have authority we have authority over all the power of the enemy and so if the devil and his problems come into your life you can use this god-given authority to rebuke him Amen. amen hallelujah the second reason why bad things happen to good people is it's really because of our choices, yeah. our bad choices, yeah. and the bad choices of people around us. Yeah. They, those, things, those things can cause bad things to happen in our lives. Yeah. You see, human beings, you and I, we are what are called free will moral agents. And what that simply means is God has given us the power He's given us the privilege. He's given us the ability to choose. We can choose. That is our God-given right 
And I believe the reason why God gave us the ability to choose is he didn't want a creation of robots. I said it to the church this morning. I mean, he didn't want us to create us as some wind-up dolls. You know, he says, I love you. And you say, I love you. He says, I love you. And you say, I love you. I love you. I love you. No. He didn't want a creation of, of robots. He wanted man and woman that out of their own free will would choose to love him back. Yeah. Right. Amen. Amen. God loved us so much that for that free will to exist or for that free will to really be real, there had to be a choice. And there had to be an option for us to disobey you know, his words or his instruction. And, and we saw that right at the beginning in the story of Adam and Eve. We saw that how when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden. And let's read in Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17, and, and read what um, God said to them in this, in this particular verses. Genesis 2, verses 16 to 17, we can read it in the King James. It says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, Thou shalt surely die. And so God said to them, there are thousands of trees out there. You can eat of all of them. But the one tree that I implore you to not eat from is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you eat from that tree, you are surely going to die. And so for their free will to be real, and I don't know if I'm really making sense here, right? But for Adam and Eve's free will to really exist, for it to be real. There had to be an option for them to choose to go against the will of God. There had to be that option for them to choose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know how that story went. They chose wise, unwisely. They chose to eat from that tree and um, unlocked a whole, a whole series of consequences for, for mankind. So why is this important? Why am I going on and on and on and on about choices? I'm, I'm going on and on and on about choices because choices to a very large extent determine what we experience in life and what we accomplish in life. And whether we like it or not, our choices can have positive outcomes yeah. or our choices can have negative outcomes. Right. And so if we choose to submit to God's will, we will manifest His good and His perfect and acceptable outcomes in our lives. But if we don't choose to submit to God, we've in essence chosen to submit to the devil. And in essence, we've chosen to submit to his will for our lives. And his will for our lives is not good. His will for our lives, again, is to steal, is to kill, and to destroy. And so that is what we will manifest. We will manifest those negative outcomes in our lives. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 in the King James Version, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life so that you and your seed may live. And so here God is speaking to the children of Israel through Moses. And, and I always say he kind of gave them a multiple choice test, right? He pretty much said to them, okay, um, choose A, life, choose B, death, choose C, blessing, choose D, cursing. But just in case you may got confused about what to choose, choose life. Amen. Choose life. Amen. I mean, God even gave them the answer to choose. Amen. He said, choose life. You see, church, the point here is that you are the one with the power to decide. 
You are the one who has the responsibility to choose. You know, the ability to choose is so powerful that God himself, God himself, he cannot and he will not violate your choice. And so whether you choose life or death, blessing or cursing, God will back your every decision. And here I've got to say, many people are choosing to reject the counsel of God for their lives. And the results of these actions bring about negative consequences in our lives. So if you are continuously making bad choices, church, if you are continuously finding yourself in tough situations, it's the inevitable consequence of your choices. Okay, someone say, I love. I love. I love. Come on, someone say, I love. I love. The woman in mustard in the front. The woman in mustard in the front. And I love you too. So I'm not saying these things to harm you. I really, I truly am not. I really want you to know the truth because it's the truth and only the truth that's going to set you free. And so I'm going to say it again, and this may hurt, but, but hear it with a heart and hear it with, I really do love you and I want to help you. But if you are constantly making bad choices... And you are constantly finding yourself in tough situations. Yeah. It's the inevitable consequence of your choices. Yeah. And you see, it's not only our choice that cause bad things to happen in our lives. It's also the bad choices of others around us that can cause bad things to come and, and happen in our lives as yeah. well. Because whether we like it or not, God gave all men free will. God gave every single man the right, the privilege, the ability to choose. And that all men even include sinners. It even includes evil men. They have the right to choose too. And so so men are free to choose to obey. They're free to choose to disobey. They're free to choose to live according to the flesh. And while that is not God's will, men make those choices. And those choices can have a negative impact on those people around them. I mean, men can choose to lie. Men can choose to steal. Men can choose to kill. Men can choose to abuse their wives. They can choose to drink and drive. And a whole list of other choices, really bad choices. Again, these choices, while not the will of God, do and they can affect those around them. I've got good news, though. I've always got good news. (laughs) When you realize that your choices impact or affect or determine your destiny, it's never too late to start making the right choices. Ever, ever too late to start making the right choices. And so today, church, you can start now. You can start today. You can choose life. And by choosing life, all it means is to choose to obey God's will. Choose God's word. You can choose to seek first the kingdom of God. You can choose to start prioritizing God in every area of your life, in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your business, in your careers. You can choose life. Choose life today so that you and your seed may live. Amen. And maybe you're saying, I'm always chosen, right? I always choose life. Maybe the bad things that are happening in your life are maybe the bad choices of other people. Well, again, today you can start making choices according to the word of God. And I've seen it in my life. It's, it's changed my perspective and, and it's changed my life drastically. Do you know you can choose to forgive? Yes, amen. Right. Church, forgiveness is not a feeling. Yeah. 
Forgiveness is a choice. Amen. You can, you can choose today to forgive. Amen. You can choose to let go of bitterness, of anger, of resentment. You can choose to let go of the past and stop living and strive towards those people who have offended you. Yes, you may be justified being angry. You may be justified being hurt. But you can choose your action towards them. You can choose to let go of offense. Because church, offense is a prison. Offense is a trap. It's going to block the blessing of God operating in your life. You can choose to let go of strife. Because the Bible says where strife is, there is every evil work. You can choose today to meditate on God's word. And to just receive his love for you. And I can, I, can, I can assure you that as you start meditating on his word, as this word begins to transform your life, it will begin to overturn all the negative effects that people have caused in your life. You know, there's one translation, Proverbs 4.22, I like so much. It's the Isaac Lisa translation. It says, God's word is medicine. You can take God's word as medicine. And the great thing about it is there are no um, side effects and there's no danger over over this. Amen. So God's word can heal your pain, your disappointment, your heartbreak, your your shame. God's word can cure all of that. Amen. The third and final reason why bad things happen to good people is that we live on a planet that's subject to corruption. We live on an earth that's suffering under the curse of sin. Go with me quickly to Romans 8, verse 20 to 22. And we're going to read this in the Amplified Translation of the Bible. The Amplified Translation of the Bible says, For the creation, nature, was subjected to frailty. Okay, so nature has been subjected to frailty. In brackets it says, to futility, condemned to frustration, not because of intentional fault of its, on its part, but the, by the will of him who so subjected it, yet with hope. Next verse. That nature or creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now the earthquakes, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the floods, the fires that bring death and destruction to millions, which many call acts of God, they're not from God. They're natural acts, they're natural disasters due to sin on the earth. They're the result of what the Bible calls the bondage to decay and corruption. This earth is suffering under the bondage to decay and the bondage of corruption. And this was just due to sin that was released on this earth. God does not send these things. God does not need these things, these earthquakes, these tornadoes, these hurricanes to teach you a lesson or to bring judgment. God does not send these things. They bring death and destruction. And we know that Jesus, God, brings life and he brings peace. Amen. And so the good news is that as a believer, we have the ability to walk in divine protection from these things. Amen. Quickly in Psalm 91. The Passion Translation, it says, when we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. It says, how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends his angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Amen. And 
So as we close the series, church, as you walk out of here today, my prayer for you this morning is that you will become fully persuaded that God is not the author of your tragedy. God is not the author of destruction. God is not the author of the problems in our lives. God is not the author of bad things that we're seeing around us. You know, we have a very real enemy out there. And he's looking for every opportunity to destroy us. And so we need to stop believing his lies and accepting his work as the work of God. Because it is not. And we need to start resisting him. We need to start actively fighting against the problems that the devil will bring our way. And as we do, church, as we do, as we resist the devil, the Bible says he will flee from us. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. 